0: You're listening to Storytellers. Four minds, one story, all entertainment.
1: Welcome to Storytellers, Four Minds, One Story. I'm your host, Erica, and joining us today is Stephanie from the Mocha Minutes podcast. Stephanie, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Great.
2: I don't know if we're allowed to answer yet. So I'm just yeah,
1: gonna Yeah, you're allowed.
2: <laughs> I'm just gonna let you walk into the abyss of silence. Like, how y'all doing? Crickets, crickets. <laughs> great
1: is, you know my wow. making them stop flattering me they've done nothing but flatter me since this whole thing started like they've been one upping one another and I'm like guys
2: let's be down a
1: notch now it's like nope throw Erica into the abyss that's fine
2: I'm cool we flatter the shit out of Erica and as soon as <laughs> she comes and it's like crickets 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 and then the one <laughs> deep voice saying get out <laughs>
1: <laughs> they do. They're they very, they lay it on. It's a lot. It's mm. a lot. Also with us, one of the main flatterers and storytelling extraordinaire, my partner, Rashani. Roshani, how are you today?
2: You know what? As long as my internet works, I'm good. But if my internet doesn't work, I'm not good. So you'll know how I am progressively by the matter I get and the more I- <laughs> Uh, I'm just fucking with y'all. My internet's fine right now. Just a little bit. I might sound like that, and that's when things are going to hit the fan. Right now, hi. Hi.
1: Also joining us, we have the talented and capable and incredibly biased against movies with white nonsense, Aaron Rand Freeman.
3: I have an issue with white people hoisting white nonsense upon us like it is <laughs> white nonsense is a fine genre of movie, just like Michael, Michael, um, Michael Bay movies or any other type of kung fu nonsense. I don't care. Just don't tell me that they're art. It's nonsense. <laughs> you can make nonsense. It's okay. You're white. It will work out for you. Don't try to elevate the drivel. It's fine. You just made oatmeal. It's oatmeal. It's fine. <laughs>
1: And last but not least, our wonderful engineer and production crew, LSPN. How are you today, sir?
0: Dun 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 dun. (laughs) Nigga. (laughs) Nigga.
1: I'm good. Okay. So today's story we had three cards that were chosen, and they were a person about to pawn an heirloom separation and a mishap at the laboratory and today Rashani started us off first so let's take a listen see what's going on
2: i don't know why this is my job joe muttered it ain't like he was my grandfather it was his grandfather Joe's relationship with his grandfather could only be called strained to the point where you ever see one of those rubber bands that have been there for a really, really long time and already got the little cracks in it. And when you pull the rubber band it never really snaps back to the way it's supposed to be. And one more pull will just cause it to break. Some people call it the straw that broke the camel's back. Some people will just call it Too much of a load. Joe just called it his relationship with his grandfather. They never really spoke. Joe wasn't his biological grandson, his grandfather would say. He was. Joe wasn't as good as the other grandchildren, his grandfather would say. Look at him, his grandfather, Claude, would say, making sure Joe could hear him. He can't do nothing that the rest of us can do. He can't catch. He can't run fast. He can't even walk two steps without tripping over his feet. He's never going to be one of us. He's never going to be a Patterson. Joe heard everything that Grandpa Claude said and took it in, held it close, and let it stew into a bowl. Blistering hatred just because Joe didn't want to be an athlete like his father or like his uncle or even like his grandfather didn't make him any less. Joe was a scientist. Joe was one of the best scientists in the world at his field. He was admired by everybody miles around. Look him up on the Internet. Look him up on Wikipedia. He didn't even have to edit it. Somebody else typed that in for him. He was made in the world of science and Claude could not care one bit. They rarely spoke. And when they did speak, they were on two different pages because Claude would make sure to sprinkle in football, baseball, basketball terminologies every time they spoke. Things he knew Joe knew nothing about just to see him squirm. Claude was a dick. And Joe was so tired of having to take care of him because everybody else knew that Joe thought Claude was a dick. And yet, when Claude got sick, no one else came to take care of him. All the rest of those grandchildren who professed their love for him left him there. And so there was nobody to take him in except for Joe. So all of a sudden, Joe had to live with Claude and had to take care of Claude and had to be Claude's only caregiver. His sons didn't come around. Neither did his daughter, Elaine. They were too busy. His grandchildren, the multitude of grandchildren, the Patterson greats, he called them all. Not Joe, though. Never came around. They were too busy. Sports, you know how it is. My son has this track meet. My daughter has this tournament. You know how it is, Grandpa. You know how it is. So one day, Claude looked at Joe and said, I need you to take this to the store for me. And Joe looked at Claude and said, take what? Claude said, I need you to take this to the store for me. Claude was never one to go into detail with Joe. He was always very matter-of-fact, very short. Joe was used to it, but he thought that maybe if he asked again, he'd give him a bit more history into what this was that was now sitting in his hands. All Claude said was, it's important. It's an heirloom. And I need you to take care of it. No one else can. Take this to the store for me. What store? The pawn shop on 35th and Franklin. If it's so important, then why are you pawning it? Just take it to the store for me. I hate that man, Joe said, as he closed the door and walked to his car.
1: Wow, that's pretty intense.
2: Yeah, I, I, when I listen to it again, I realize that. Um, yeah, it is like, I, <laughs> yeah, fuck Claude. Like I just realized that again. Like, like Claude is like a whole asshole. And um, being a scientist, I, I I feel like Joe should have got more respect than anybody in that entire family. But you know, for some folks, sports come first, especially if you're in wherever they're at. I don't know. I didn't invent a, a city, but
1: yeah. Mm-hmm so here's where I interject and explain how this works so the next part of the story makes a little more sense we draw these three cards everybody tells a piece of the story the catch is you only get to hear the piece right before your own so Roshani only has his piece to go off of and next Stephanie heard just this piece and now we're about to listen to her piece You have any thoughts before we do that, Stephanie, as to how this played into what you did?
4: Uh, Yeah. So (laughs) when I heard Roshani's piece, I had several different. I had several different ideas. Mm -hmm. And then I said, you know, I'm just going to go with my gut. and I'm going to stick with one idea because I really wanted to focus on Joe Mm -hmm. and, you know, his mindset of one, why the hell am I doing this shit for this man that I hate? (laughs) And then, yeah, why he hates him. I'm like, there's several reasons why.
1: Well, now I'm really excited to hear this. LSPN?
4: Joe stopped in his tracks three times before he had even made it to the car. Every time he stopped, he looked back at the house. He thought about just saying, damn it to hell, and just telling him, no. No, I won't do this for you. No, I am not your doormat. No. No. But he never uttered those words. He sighed and looked down at the heirloom wrapped in his late grandmother's silk handkerchief. It was the fuchsia and chartreuse one that his grandmother, Willa, took with her to church every Sunday. Joe was always fascinated by the two butterflies on it. If he stared long enough, he imagined them moving. He let out a heavy sigh and headed to his car. He unlocked the door, got in, and started the ignition. Grammy, I need you. He's gotten even worse now that you are gone. He said it in a faint whisper, and even though human ears could barely hear his words, He knew his Grammy could. He placed the heirloom down gently and backed his car out of the driveway. He waved at Mr. Marshall on the corner as he came to a halt at the intersection. He picked up the phone and hit the last number he called. A heavy sigh, then a yawn filled his ear. What's wrong? Micah said. What time is it there? Joe asked. You did not call me to ask the time. Baby, what's wrong? Joe could BS a lot of people, but he couldn't BS Micah. The last four months of them being apart has been agony, especially with Joe having to deal with Claude. Joe needed Micah. He needed his warmth. He needed his sage advice. He needed him. Just say it to me again, Joe pleaded. I need to hear you say it. Micah sighed, no matter what comes my way, come hell or high water, I will be back in your arms on June 18th. That is in 43 days, Joe thought. He closed his eyes and let a smile cover his face. The smile didn't last long as an impatient driver behind him laid on his horn. Are you calling me when you're driving? You know I hate when you do that. Micah said in his jokingly judgmental tone. I know. I was at a red light and I'm on my Bluetooth, mother. Micah giggled. What did Claude do now? He has me going to a pawn shop. Uh, okay. Why and what are you pawning? Honey, I haven't the foggiest, but he said it's important. It's wrapped in Grammy's scarf. The one with the butterflies? Micah asked. Joe was impressed. He remembered. Baby, you talk about that scarf all the time. How could I not know about it? So what's in the scarf? Joe was startled by his question. Mostly because he didn't even think to look in the scarf to see what the heck he was taking to the pawn shop. Micah giggled again. I take it from the silence, it didn't even dawn on you to look. You know me way too well. He made the right onto 35th. He looked up and found a space right in front of the pawn shop. Try not to hit any cars, Micah said. What about kissing the bumper? My bumper better be the only one you are kissing. While laughing... Joe put the car in park and finally decided to look to see what was in Grammy's handkerchief. As he opened it, his mouth fell open and tears filled his eyes. I can't fucking believe him. Is he serious? Joe dissolved into sobs. Baby, what is it? Baby, say something, Micah pleaded. Joe just kept crying. Micah knew it best to let him cry. When he heard Joe's sobs ebb, he asked again, Joe, what is it? Joe gathered himself, and he said slowly, It's, it's my grandmother's music box.
0: Oh, this is so good. This is so good. (laughs) Like I'm
1: sitting here with romantic feelings. This is so vivid and mm-hmm. you can just see the entire conversation as it's playing out. and you can feel the anguish that Joe has and the anger and the confusion. Ah, that was so, so great. Mm-hmm. Tell us why you decided to go in this direction. What about Joe and his setup? Rashani's setup made you decide to go in this direction.
4: I think when I was listening to Rashani's piece, I focused mostly on the fact that, you know, it was mostly about he'll never be one of us. He can't do this. He can't do that. And for me, it didn't seem like it was just like, oh, he's just a weakling. I'm like, no, it, it felt like it had to be something more deep seated than that.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: And I'm like, And I'll I'll, mind you, I'm thinking of, honestly, a black family. And I'm thinking what's like some of the most deep seated hatred two men could have for each other, especially if it's a a father figure and a younger man. It's going to be homophobia like that was in my mind. I'm like, it has to be that it can't just be he can't just keep up with his brothers. I'm like, no, it has to be something else. (laughs) And so I focused on. That, but I wanted Joe to have like a happy relationship because mm-hmm. one, I didn't think that he deserved a fucked up one. I'm like, you can have like a fucked up family because you can't choose that, but you can choose <laughs> to be in a happy relationship.
1: Yep, yep, that's true. And I love how supportive Micah is. Like, that I think really comes through how close they are and how much they care about one another. So, yeah. Having heard that, Roshani, what do you think about Stephanie's direction?
2: Um, I am frequently impressed by the brilliance shown by everybody on these shows. And to have a guest uh, show up and completely knock it out the park is within itself just amazeballs to me. Um, I'm I'm actually I'm not stunned. I'm just pleasantly taken aback by how well this um, is all flowing, and I'm excited to see uh, what happens next. Um, I actually got mad when I heard what what was in what, what it was what the heirloom was. <laughs> <laughs> like for (laughs) real nigga like okay you think I you think that I can take this because I'm not attached to your family like what like oh oh (laughs)
1: that's (laughs) intensifying Rashani's deep hatred
2: for Claude (laughs) right like back and really think about the fact that you know um, something's gonna happen where Thanos is gonna snap wait said too much
1: (laughs) Spoiler alert. This is a spoiler-free <laughs>
3: program. Leave that whole sentence. Just the whole <laughs> sentence. Should <be>. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we
1: just have a long book there. LSPN, make it so. This is a spoiler-free program of all kinds. Okay, <laughs> so keeping in mind that Aaron only heard Stephanie's piece. Aaron, how did you feel about your position coming into it from this? Like the whole relationship, the entire, um, scenario?
3: Uh, I had a lot of, I had a lot of, uh, moving parts, but I, um, when the thing about it is cause uh, whenever I hear these stories, I, I tend to listen to them a bunch of times in the background and I tend to pick on a few things that catch my ear when I'm not paying attention and then go from there. So I was like, so I figured I would tell, I, fi- I was, I was interested in the, uh, heirloom because we learned a lot about joe so i was like i was just thinking about who's in the car so we know a lot about joe now and i wanted to see if we could learn if there was anything i could possibly say about the heirloom that would be interesting and also i actually looked at the card and i was like oh this is all this stuff i gotta make sure i put all that. i was trying to i was trying to follow the rules <laughs> on mine so i i hope i did but i was trying to uh i was trying to do my best to not break the whole thing
1: all right well Let's see how you did, LSPN. Play the next
3: piece. When Joe was a child, he remembers his grandmother's house being a constant hub of activity. Additions being made, rooms being repainted, pipes being replaced, lawn in the process of being mowed, land perfectly escaped by someone who apparently started and finished his work between 3 and 4 a.m. To this day, he had never seen that person. Everyone working was a picture of proper customer service decorum, working and smiling and laughing and tipping their hats and showing maximum respect to my grandmother and her family. In fact, many of the workers would help around the house in general. Joe remembered a time when he and his cousin Claude were children and one of the workers came up to them and said, Your grandmother wanted to know whether you both had lunch. It's the most important meal of the day. We both shook our heads side to side and the worker immediately got to work on making them sandwiches. Joe remembered thinking about how much extra grandma must have been paying them for construction and sandwiches. The fellow even knew where all the ingredients were located without asking and provided Joe with his favorite ham Swiss on toasted rye with mustard and tomato cut diagonally. And he even knew that Claude liked grilled cheese with one slice of American and salsa on the side because Claude always liked bread more than sandwich and grandma specifically leaned into it and gave him no trouble over it. Grandma's house was always like that. Expertly tended to by apparent experts, all workers, no matter the level of experience. Knew exactly what grandma wanted while she sat on a park bench one of the workers built for her when she mentioned chronic ankle pain from a lifetime of cleaning homes. One day she sat Joe down next to her and asked him a question. You notice anything about this place? So what? Joe was definitely too full from lunch and not prepared for a riddle. You've been walking around here for years. You're not too young to notice things, Joseph, so let me know. Well, Joe squinted and stared at the hive of activity very closely. They are all men, big and strong. Grandma laughed and paused before finally deciding her initial thought would be the best response despite her audience. They sure are. But what else? Um, they are all white. Joe was grasping at straws at this point, hoping to get some assistance from his grandmother. There you go. And you know what white folks love? Music. Immediately, the familiar jingle of a music box played. It always sat in the bedroom window, so whenever it played, everyone on the property could hear it. That meant it was lunchtime. And as per usual, a handful of the workers walked off to eat and tend to their business, while one immediately appeared next to Grandma with a plate of saltine crackers and cheddar cheese, Grandma's favorite. Common knowledge, Joe assumed. So many different workers knew this. It must be part of the deal, Joe thought. Hello, Joseph. Would you like the usual? The worker asked. Joe nodded up and down. I'll be right on it. Now that's the nod of a hungry boy. Go on and make sure that man makes your sandwich right, Grandma said laughing. And When you're done, grab your cousin, Claude, and come right back here. I have a story to tell you. Yes! What's it going to be? Your grandfather's gift. Grandma, you already told me about the music box. Not everything. Now go eat and come back with your cousin. Joe ran off into the house. On his way to the kitchen, he saw Claude, already halfway through his grilled cheese, dripping sauce on the floor. Claude! Grandma has stories after lunch! Joe noted the trail from the kitchen to the hallway. And you're making a mess! Claude turned around and started to say sorry when he was interrupted by one of the workers. Don't worry about all that, Claude, my boy. I've got it. The worker was already on all fours so as he sprang oil cleaner onto the wooden floor cleaning a mess with the same vigor and cheery demeanor as when he was painting the garage three hours ago. Joe snapped out of his memory, he found himself staring at the music box, sitting wrapped in the passenger seat of his car. Why Claude would want upon it is confusing. They both understood what it does, or at least they thought they did. Unsure of what was coming, Joe left Mike a message. This was mostly to settle himself. He could feel the anxiety squeezing his chest. I'm very tired. I need to talk to Claude. And then I need to tell you a story. I love you. Good night.
1: Oh, and here's where it takes a turn.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely. I, I tried. I tried not to, do it, but.
2: I so, did. so Claude was named after your the grandfather. There you go. Yeah, that's
3: yeah, right.
1: that's what we'll say. Yeah, that's
3: what we'll say. Keep it rolling. Nice job. Good job, people. Good work. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well this is what happens when you can't hear the first part so you don't know that it was established that claude was a horrible person now he's just it sort could of still
3: be, he could still be a horrible person he's dripping he, could still, on he the floor. could
1: still be a horrible person he's still pawning it but now his motives are less clear and he's a cousin and the grandmother outlived the grandfather Right. And there's an entire plantation of cheerful white people cleaning up after (laughs) them, which to me immediately was entirely sinister. Like you don't. That's Children of the Corn. That's um, Far Cry 5. That's that's definitely something sinister going on. And that's my defense for what's coming. I'm not going to apologize. We're just (laughs)
0: going
1: to ride this train off the rails and into the sunset. (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh
4: the, so train, good. oh,
3: the train can fly. It's fine, guys. Don't worry. Relax. Everyone, remain seated. The train flies. It's fine. Oh boy! Oh boy!
1: So uh, I want to ask first, though, Roshani, how are you feeling now?
2: You don't want to ask me shit. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, anytime the white people are put in servitude, I'm okay with that. Okay.
3: Right. Yeah. Everybody in my, everybody sure, in my sure? head was black. I realize, you know, I don't know if you guys realize every story that we talk about, everyone's black until told otherwise. Every single person, mm-hmm. every story, they're all black. So I just didn't say that these people were black and all the servants were white. Yep.
2: I just want to point out that the saving grace is the fact that you made all the servants white. I'm okay with this. This is literally starting to sound like a uh, different version of white man's burden to me and I'm quite alright. <laughs> <laughs> if, 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 if Erica, you could see fit to, I was just telling uh, my wife about how if cops pull over white people, I stop and watch and suggest stuff um, because (laughs) I find it to be funny and an anomaly. So if you could include one of them getting beat with a billy club or chase around a tree or something like that, we could just take it all the way back to slavery plantation days. But white Um, folks, I'm okay with um, all that. Well,
1: well, we're going to take this left turn. It's a hard left. LSPN.
0: The problem was, Claude thought, it was that he had too much book sense and not enough self-preservation sense. How many little kids could be expected to listen to the same old stories their grandmother told every summer? Claude had mostly humored Joe back then, and now he assumed that Joe was doing the same, more or less, humoring him. Maybe he wouldn't even pawn the damn thing after all. The thought that Joe might even at this very moment, be taking that music box back to Gigi's house, heading up the winding path with the still perfectly mowed lawn to put that thing back, Claude shuddered. In his mind's eye, or more accurately, his mind's ear, he could still hear that refrain, the silvery notes that clinked out of the music box by hand when Gigi had cranked the handle. It had seemed simple to him as a child, A wooden box with wooden fittings and a well-worn brass handle. No batteries, no speakers. Hell, there wasn't even any nails holding the thing together. It was all wood, tapped into place and fitted tight, but it made the most beautiful music he'd ever heard. That fascinated Claude more than the stories. Blah, blah. Yes, Grandfather had tried to sign up for the war and wasn't accepted because they didn't accept his kind of schooling as being good enough. And as an insult, they'd offered him a job cleaning their labs instead. That story was a bit of a yawn to young Claude. He'd been raised in a world where no one would even think of suggesting his schooling wasn't as good or better than anyone else's. No, the interesting thing was that the lab would have a box like that for any reason. And that it had, if Gigi was to be believed and the woman was a saint, so no reason not to believe her, that this box had once been an important component in some fancy war initiative that got scrapped. Really? They were going to defeat the enemy with the bright shining notes of It Never Troubles Me? Claude had found that ridiculous. Had. Except, uh, except the way that the box was put together. The sound coming out of it should have had a different quality. The wood should have changed the metallic resonance. It was just a polyphon, one of those music boxes with a metal disc inside that had holes cut out and gears to turn it and a little metal comb to play the notes. Fancy, but not out of place for back in the day. Nothing special, except that it was... And the idea that there was something about that box that had made it valuable before the project was scrapped, and that Granddaddy had managed to get Gigi all set up cozy out there because he'd come up with the missing piece of how to get it to latch on, as she'd put it. Well, curiosity had gotten the better of him after Gigi passed. And he was an engineer. It wasn't like he didn't know how to take things apart and put them back together again, so... Claude twitched again when the melodic refrain started up. Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. He pressed both hands to his temples and shut his eyes tight. Slowly, the music faded out again. He felt a hand tap him on the shoulder. Hey, you need something, Mr. Claude? It was an old voice, brittle like parchment left in the sun, like old leaves crunching underfoot. No, yes'm. Go on back to wherever you came from. Claude didn't open his eyes. Yesum, his and Joe's nickname for one of the workers in particular back when they were children. He'd been a young man back then, but with snow white hair and watery blue eyes, and he'd only ever said yesum to everything Gigi said while nodding his head at a frantic pace. It had been funny back then. Now that the man had been dead for ten years, give or take, not so funny. There was a shuffling, rustling noise, and then silence. Claude opened his eyes, one by one. The room was empty, just like the music box had been empty when he'd opened it. Empty except for some strange markings around the joinery and a little bit of ash at the bottom of the box. He'd sat, dumbfounded for a good 10 minutes, then put it all back together again and cranked the handle to prove to himself that it was all a hoax, that it wasn't a real music box, that this was just some fabrication, but music. It had filled Claude from his belly to the top of his head, and even in remembering, he felt like he was going to vomit. There were chords ringing in his mind, and the taste of the melody rose like bile in the back of his throat. The attention of 40 or more men living and dead fixated on where he was, what he wanted, how they could get to him. What he wanted was to have not been so damned curious. But it was too late for that now. The phone rang. Claude answered it. Joe? Joseph? You may as well bring that damn thing back. It's not helping. Oh, no, sir. No, sir, it's just me. You sure you wouldn't like a sandwich? Claude threw the phone at the wall and watched as the screen went dark.
1: Hi, so that's how we're ending it. Yeah! (laughs) What? (laughs) Um, yeah. Uh, Having had only Aaron and the creepy...
3: Plantation full of white people, that's where I went. Yes. That's fucking right. That's what I wanted. That is what I wanted. I was like, if I leave enough, if I leave enough threads, then Erica will find one and tie a bunch of them together. And this is what I wanted. That's exact I am completely satisfied. It is not off the rails.
4: Get out
3: to the black.
4: <laughs> like, oh my God, what's going on? It's like <gasps>
3: What about that music oh. box, though? Right. And the thing about it, I was thinking it was more of a science experiment. And then Erica was like, "It's mystical." I'm just like, "I don't, I don't care. I'm here for season two. Let's do this." <laughs>
1: <laughs> I gave Claude his comeuppance, even though he wasn't the original Claude that you started with, Rashani. Claude yeah.
2: was a dick.
1: <laughs> so are you so are you satisfied with with the torture that he's going through at the end given how you presented him at the beginning well yes but I,
2: like <laughs> i think that i think that this is best said in that wonderful song from that horrible series twilight how did we get here
1: I did explain that this was a hard left that we were taking. I think I did.
2: Yeah, it was so wonderful, but yet at the same time, it's like, wait, wasn't I eating a steak? Why in the hell is this a chicken thigh? <laughs> <laughs> you can't keep passing it around, you can't keep passing the dinner plate around. That's why <laughs> it's I like, it's like, you have one writer because they can't like, keep it. It's like initially I have the blunt and I pass it, and by the time it gets to Erica, it's a turkey leg. Like they're both. <laughs> but one is a turkey leg (laughs) also i feel like i need to say something more about white people so then they know that this is a black show but I, (laughs) i liked it i did i thought it was i this is this is literally what we were looking for when we started doing this show it's still a great story it's still wonderful and it took such a hard turn that anybody who jumped into the middle of the story would think it was completely a different story, but it's still within that same storyline. It's still within that same vein. Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty of it. Also, I just want to point out that my internet is working fucking fantastically.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Did I not say that if you had me host, your internet would just sit there splendid and clear and beautiful.
3: Technology, no, technology is a living, it. passive-aggressive troll, <laughs> fully aware of its importance in all of our lives,
1: mm-hmm.
3: minimal interest in satisfying any of us at any point in time because we
2: asked for it. So, just oh, to be clear,
1: absolutely. I think I know.
2: Um. So yeah, wait. This is Erica's show. Sorry, sitting back.
1: <laughs> <laughs> just, just <laughs> enjoy, enjoy your your crisp internet that I told you you were gonna have. Mm -hmm. And so Stephanie, what do you think about how the story turned out? Was that entertaining
4: for you as well? It was, I wasn't ready for the left turn and I'm like, ooh, (laughs) wait, we need part five. I need a robot to show up. I need the music box to like, her ghost to rise about the music box and haunt Claude for the rest of his miserable days. Claude. but we're
1: all agreed that claude deserved it so maybe that's yep. the title of the show claude deserves it i think
3: it <laughs> doesn't matter which claude one claude was a dick and the other claude was dripping sauce all over the goddamn floor so either way all <laughs>
1: they, were both, claude, they were both a problem
3: right all the it.
4: yeah he wasn't popping flavor either he was just <laughs> dripping sauce <salts. laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm just surprised that without even knowing how much of a dick Claude was, y'all heard the name Claude and was like, he's a fucking dick. (laughs) Doesn't matter which Claude it is. We're just going to make sure that you know that all Claudes don't go to heaven. Let's just make sure that we throw it out there that if your name is Claude, we just expect you to, like, buy an orphanage and turn it into a casino. You're a dick, too
4: watch, some if Claude is going to try pawing, to stick
1: If you're pawning your grandmother's heirloom we're going to pretty much assume that you're a terrible person.
4: You're trash for that You're mm-hmm. trash. And watch, some dude named Claude's going to try to slide on my DMs I'm like, nope, you're trash <laughs> like, I was warned about you Like, <laughs> like mm, nope Do you have a grandmother? Does she have a music box? i was like, what the fuck are you asking <laughs> me that for? I'm like, I say yes, block
2: <laughs> The only one we is John Claude <laughs>
4: And him though, and only if he brings Tostitos. That's it.
2: My DMs will kick it. We can hang out, but yeah, nah, Claude's a dick. And the way that this worked out was great because it ended up with him suffering and white people being slaves. And I'm all right with that. I'm okay with this. The way that this turned out was, it was a magical moment. Like I'm okay with. That.
1: I think it says something about me that the scariest thing I could think of in this situation would be if all those white people's attention was on Claude constantly. <laughs> the whole, can I help you? Can I get you anything? That sort of thing. Only they really mean it and he really can't make them go away. Mm-hmm. And that's terrifying to me as a, as a scene. So
2: what you- I'm glad that it worked for everyone else. What you call terrifying is us in a clothing store. Sir, can I help you? Okay. <laughs> Somebody else approached, sir. Sir, did you know we have a cell? We can, you can afford stuff today, sir. Sir, I'm gonna walk <laughs> away. Next word comes up, nigger, <laughs> and walked away. And the last word, says, sir, sir, sir. Have they greeted you yet? Yes, they're following me, like like <laughs> sidekicks. Well, let me tell you about the exit.
1: <sighs> <laughs> that was also a hard left. <laughs>
2: Get, Get your
1: to Get out of here, yeah. <laughs> but donkey, donkey, yeah. Claude's the so dick. Claude. Claude is not not a good person.
3: No, he's not. He's just. I mean, I don't know. The baby Claude was just. He's just walking around eating sandwiches. Really, like I didn't really classify him as good or bad. But you know what? Fuck him. <laughs> Fine, whatever, man. Whatever. I'm I here.
1: think. I think any child that makes a mess and doesn't immediately try to clean it up even if the servants are like he seemed just entitled to me at that point like oh they're gonna clean it they did that right so that's so i just aged that up and made him a problem right entire whole problem
3: perfect (laughs) <laughs> Everything is perfect. I feel like the train maintained its complete trip from one destination to the other and was no turbulence, derailment or any discomfort for any of the passengers. Honestly, I feel yeah, like they
1: didn't get off at the station. They got on. At. No. They, they didn't. And I feel so bad for not having Stephanie's beautiful romance there because like that was that was so touching and so heartfelt and i I really felt bad knowing that it was all going to end horribly um (laughs) um, but not but not for joe so like joe's okay he's
3: fine
1: fine. like he didn't go prying anything apart that shouldn't have been pried apart to see what was in it so he's fine yeah still has the love of his life
3: yeah Mm -hmm. joe's fine joe's a good guy
4: yep
1: yes his partner. So I think we are at the point where we get the next three cards for next week, and a little bit of news that Jess will be rejoining us again. Yay, Jess! We can't wait to have you back again. Jessica, yes, she's going to be back. And the cards we will be working with next week are neglected sibling, a stranger's cell phone. And
2: a lottery ticket. I swear to God, none of this stuff sounds like antiquated 1970 or not 1846 plantation time. So- <laughs> Listen, Man, a- yeah,
4: no, pick different cards. Just call it white slavery. Put white slavery on my
3: cards. Do that. I'm going to write the story of a white slave revolt. It's going to
4: be got- set in 2016. You <laughs> ever
2: <Dear and laughs> miss? It's your cousin, Marvin. <laughs> Marvin, Barry. <laughs> um. All right. So, yeah. Uh, slavery and cell phone time. <laughs> um. We are thanks of our cell phone so have at it. I'm interested to see how that turns out. No ideas, just spoilers. Um. So yeah. Um. Let's do it like this. Aaron. Erica, how many stars would you give Monsters Inc.? Oh, me, I, I give it a cool three, three stars. I'd
1: say, I'd say four. That was a sweet little story. It's like it's not my thing, but that doesn't make it bad.
2: Um, yeah,
3: I guess I would give it three because I didn't really care for it. That's all. It's fine for someone else, another
2: person. Wait, what part did you care for? Was it boo?
3: Nah, it just didn't. It just didn't ring the bells. I don't know what to tell you. That's fine. It was good. That's fine. It was good. it was good. It was average.
2: It was okay. It was three out of four. It was okay. It was better than Wally, though. Please say it was better than Wally. No, nah, it was not better than Wally. Tell me it was better than Wally. It wasn't better than Wally? Why don't you love me, <laughs>
3: Nah, dog? Okay, Wally. Wally is some elite filmmaking. I'm sorry. Like me. Like We
2: will later. We will meet in a dark alley and we will throw pops at each other. Um, but based on the answers uh, and then based on Jessica's answer, once she gets an opportunity, Erica, you'll be going either first or second. Uh, probably first because four stars, that's that's kind of hard to overcome right there, buddy. Um, Aaron, due to alphabetical order, you'll either be going second or, yeah, you'll be going second. I'll be going third and Jess will be going Fourth, unless she says it's a four-star movie, which I strongly doubt. (laughs) I strongly doubt it. So she
1: might. She might.
2: Yes. I would be shocked. Like, do you know the movie she watches? She just sat through the whole MCU. Well, I sat through that. She just watched Kill Bill. Wait, that's one of my favorites. Wait. I think I'll be surprised just like the rest of (laughs) y'all. Stephanie, uh, this is an opportunity for you to tell everybody something about your show and where they can find you at.
4: Uh, Well, I have the Mocha Minutes podcast. There is no white slavery. Um, I <laughs> guess it should be. I guess I should add that. No, I'm kidding. I'm not adding any slavery. No more, no more slavery. Um, but on my show, talk about current events, uh, reality, Ratchet TV, My Single Life. That does not involve any dude named Claude now. Thank you, <laughs> Rashani. Claudes are now off the list. God damn. That's gonna like shorten my list of dudes. But you can find the Mocha Menace podcast on you know all the usual places. Uh iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Tune In Spotify, and iHeart Radio. Yeah, we talk about everything except guys named Claude and White Slavery.
2: I swear to God, when you get me on the show, we're going to talk about guys named Claude. I don't even know how we're going to bring that together. But Well,
4: I you know can. you need it. Well, you're coming on here soon. So, you know, we're, we're going to talk about all the guys named Claude and why they're trash. Bring, bring a
1: Claude with you. Claude with you. <laughs> Just find one. Like, put out, put out a call. Put out a Claude yeah. signal. We're, we're looking for a Claude that would not pawn his grandmother's priceless music box.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll find one. So definitely, that, that'll be your job. Rashani, find me a guy named Claude that isn't trash and doesn't hate his grandmother or mm-hmm. her music box. That's right. <laughs> and believes in white slavery. <laughs> 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 and believes in <laughs> 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 and, and eating uh, cheese sandwiches and drip
1: sauce.
4: <laughs> 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 Claude if you're out
1: there. We're sorry. <laughs> right now.
4: What? You're gonna get one in the call to say, excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> Not all clods. Not all clods. Oh, the title of
1: this episode is now all Claude's matter. There. <laughs> we'll see you next week. <laughs> oh man.